Welcome, 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 one and all, big and small. You've reached the podcast known as The Three Carnies. So come on, let's show you around. Come on in, everyone, for a very special episode of The Three Carnies podcast. My name is Tana. I'm Jen. And I'm Monica. This is our last episode where we are wrapping up season two and giving our thoughts. And of course, probably by default, the whole show in general. How are you guys feeling on our last episode? A bit nervous because there isn't really like a like an episode structure to go by. So ooh, it's good happen. Yeah, for me, it's just like a bittersweet feeling because it felt it was too soon. It was finding a good direction. I wanted to see more, but I'm glad it had some type of conclusion at the end. Yeah, I will agree with that. I think I am sad that there's no more episodes to watch. I'm doing one episode a week for a very long time. It's a nice, nice rhythm. And then just sad that our podcast is ending too. And as you said, bittersweet about that. Yeah, I'm sad this is the last episode. Yeah. I will say, I don't know about you, both of you, but that this rewatch has been an altogether different experience than when I watched it like years ago. And that I remember like when I watched it originally, it was very much, oh my God, can you believe they canceled it? People are terrible and the world is wrong. And in this one, I think maybe because we took one episode at a time, one week at a time, I was able to look at it a little bit more critically. And don't get me wrong, like I still love the show, but I think I was able to kick out elements that my brain totally missed the first time. Yeah, I was definitely more critical this time watching it. And I think that was mainly because I just had finished rewatching it. And then your post came being, does anyone want to do a podcast about Carnival? And I said, yes. And so then I immediately went and started rewatching it again. Because I had watched it so sooner, it was easier to pick out inconsistencies versus just feeling each episode. That makes sense. And I wonder to what extent doing this rewatch together has impacted our own perspectives because we each take in media, I think, in a different fashion. And like, I know I learned a lot um, from watching with Tana, and then I thought a lot more from watching with you, Monica. And I, wonder again how impactful that was on this rewatch yeah totally I for sure saw some things in a different angle after talking with you guys than I did before talking oh it's the same with me watching it this time with you guys I was a lot more critical I was able to look at things in a different perspective I don't know it was a lot more fun watching it with others and then chatting about it after totally I don't think I've ever talked about a tv show this much with anyone period (laughs) probably same for me yeah and at least coming from me that was the intent was i think a lot of people have their own special show that maybe was just for them and being able to share it with other people just it made it uh, an enriching experience i feel like i probably never need to see this show again I say that, but then I don't know, in six months, if one of you guys checks me and you're like, hey, do you want to rewatch with this new commentary, new script, new uh, article, whatever, I, I probably would be down. 
Maybe I'll just start out with a general question. How did season two compare to season one for you guys? Better, worse, samesies? I think for me, it's that I really think of season one and season two as different shows, or at least a different lens through the idea of what they wanted the show to be. Because season one has so much dedicated to character development and and then these really weird sidewinding tangents and season two is all like we've got to get this truck going and it felt a lot more like overarching like for me like season two could have been easily drawn out between three more seasons i'm usually of the thought of preferring season two which is apparently the unpopular opinion but whatever i generally just like it better because it gets more to the point there's more things going on They've really embraced their mythology and things get going. And yeah, I just like it more. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I prefer season two. In season one, after Pick a Number, kind of the Dora May duo, it seemed to lose focus for a little while and like sloppily weighed in, in the water. And while not every episode was perfect in season two there was definitely it felt like it had a better arc and a better kind of movement to it that's fair do either of you guys have any character that you enjoyed seeing develop the most or on the other hand the least i think as far as develop probably ben it it was nice seeing his arc and how slow it went from uh, reluctant. I'm not going to talk to anyone. I don't want to deal with any of you guys in the carnival business or any of this whole avatar business to seeing him stand on his own and be more confident and accept what he was meant to do, but also still being Ben in the process. Yeah, I was also thinking Ben. Yeah, I say Ben. Ben. Yeah, he starts off as this really passive, reactive character and then grows into someone who's quite active he makes decisions and generally just matures as a person so not only as he has it's reactive to active it's a little bit more of boy to man too which i really appreciated watching this as a young person so i really appreciated libby coming out of her family shadow shadow and staking her place and saying what she wants and stuff and that's what i really enjoyed how about you, Jen? Did you have a favorite growth arc for a character? I was going to say Libby because like Tana was saying where she started, she was one of the family and then so much happened and she really had the most mature responses to everyone around her. With Sophie, with her mom, with Jonesy, she really kind of came into her own. Acting performances, I, mean, I don't think that she had too many really great standouts for me but as far as her overall character I thought that was really a very slow progression but this isn't really like character development but I really do like how they slowly unveiled little tidbits about Samson's character because we see him as this in charge figure in episode one and he while he is that he's also so many other things and we got to see who he really is through not just what he does, but how his interactions with the other cast members, the other actors. Yeah, he was really fun to watch this season. So while we're speaking of characters, I once again tallied up our favorite characters and did the math about that. 
for season two. And then, of course, I added season two and season one together. And overall, do you guys have any guesses who are favorite characters were in season two i'm going with sophie i'm going with samson well look at you guys you guys are both right because samson and sophie tied for our favorite character for first place both with six votes sophie had a really strong uh first half of the season and then absolutely dropped off to nobody's surprise yeah and speaking of the positive development we see my I guess not the biggest disappointment, but something I was disappointed in was Iris's ending. We saw so, so many good scenes with her, so many different paths that she took over the last two seasons and ended on such a flat note with her. I was bummed. Yeah, she, first season two, her and Ben both only got three votes and were tied for our third favorite character, which, as you said, was quite different since Iris was one of our tops last season for second favorite character do you guys want to guess it's probably pretty obvious for season two at this point in time Farlin. no he did not get as many votes as i thought boo i know he got two votes i'll say felix felix only got two votes it was libby oh, oh so, okay <laughs> yeah uh samson and sophie both got six votes for favorite character of the episode then libby got four and then iris and ben tied for third but if i add this season one and season two i bet it's pretty easy to guess who our top one and two people are but our third person is a little bit off the left field you guys want to guess who our top one is overall i don't know i know rita sue's up there but i don't think she's top sophie got 11 votes so Sophie is number one, total favorite character. I know a lot of them came from me. Samson got nine votes. And then Felix was got the third for our overall fa- favorite character based on the strong showing in season one. I can see. I bet you guys can also guess who our favorite like one episode person was. Jolie. She was for season one. Oh, I'll say sorry. <laughs> That's and then season two was Klaus. Oh, yeah, he was great. (laughs) So maybe Klaus and Jolene, they can be friends and get that business together that we talked about. I would like to make an honorable mention for Osgood. He is good. And he got a promotion. It's true. He's just probably like the most minor character that they were very consistent with. Yeah, it's true. They really know how to write to him. And the actor knows how to play him. Absolutely. He was number one rousty. So. Let's pretend that we're back in the early 2000s and they got greenlit for a season three. What would either of you like to have seen for a season three? Well, generally season two ends with this like big cliffhanger with Sophie. So I would like to see them explain what is Sophie's role in all of this more. I think that would be super interesting. Yeah. Like what happens with Sophie? What happens with Jonesy? And also what happens with Varlin? I would like him to be in season three. Yeah, I want him to come back, too. He was so much fun to watch. He really was. And Zabina, or Zabine, because I can't remember it's an A or E at the end of her name. One of my favorite scenes of Carnival overall is going to be when Varlin comes out of the bathroom, shoots the Bonnie and Clyde character, shoots the guy who was like, oh, thank God, you saved us, and then is looks like we have a ragtop now. 
it just moved so fast and had such a humor to it that carnival scenes don't really usually have. I can't remember what episode it was, but I like one of my favorite scenes is when they had to do the hustling and they had to make all these exhibits and attractions to earn a coin. And I just loved how creative they were. I would like Lila not to participate in the Phantom season three, just saying. I would agree with that. I don't think she would have much of a storyline anyway. Well, I was thinking about it earlier and I was thinking about how really load served almost no purpose other than being like an, an irritant, a fly in the ointment. Other than that, really could have just done away with him altogether, in my opinion. Yeah, I think my biggest complaint is that for season two is they focus on these there's time wasted on these small kind of sideline characters that really have no or sideline stories that really have no movement to the arc. And then they speed through other things that I would have really liked to see more. Like I would have liked more time to have buy-in in the Jonesy Libby romance. Just cut out the load stuff and cut out the Lila stuff. And I don't think that even though I love Ruthie as a character, they don't go anywhere with her this season, really. She just talks about seeing dead people and maybe gives Sophie some information. I'd rather have that fleshed out or have that time go into the other areas that I thought were a little too fast. For example, the first couple episodes, I think there was a lot of exposition where they could have shown some stuff instead in flashbacks or something instead of just have monologues. That's fair. But I will say this, it does seem like a lot of the side plots and the characters that it can go anywhere are really on the carnival side. When I'm thinking on the crow side, there really isn't a lot of that I would really cut from that. I might want to add two, but there's not anything. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they went there. Like that piece seems like it was a lot more seamless. Yeah, that side was more streamlined. Yeah, the crow side had way less characters to deal with. So they had their core four. Justin, Iris, Tommy, Barlin, and that's and pretty much it. And, and Norman. And the carnival had, what, at least a dozen characters that we had to try and juggle and keep up with. Yeah, that got tangled up real fast. I think my the only real disappointment that I have with the crow side of things is I don't think, as you mentioned, I don't think they knew what to do with Iris in what direction to take her and whether she's going to be anti-Justin, slowly turn to anti-Justin or be pro-Justin or what. I think they kind of had no idea. And I think that, I know in interviews, Daniel Knopf explains it away by, she's batshit crazy. Of course she changes. But I think he's just saying that. And I think you could tell that she was a character that they didn't have completely flushed out from the beginning where all the other characters had been playing in Daniel Knopf's mind and then Iris was just a very quick add on to season one and she wasn't even in the original pilot just to have someone for brother Justin to play off of yeah and I think they almost got it in a good direction but I think where they made that mistake at least in my opinion is that I set her up as a minor antagonist to Justin and okay, I'm going to plot with Norman and I'm going to bide my time and get this information and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking that they just didn't have time, so they didn't explore that. But what I think they probably did have time with, and of course, hindsight is what it is. I think it would have been really interesting to see her switch sides and help the carnival. I think her and Ben's character could have had a really, um, just how they 
both of the actors are could have had some really good scenes and having her kind of move on to the other side. I think that would have been really interesting to see play off. I'd want to see that. Yeah, I did really like the direction they were going with Iris being a slight foil and antagonist to Brother Justin, but I think then they just weren't consistent with it. Having her all of a sudden kill Eleanor and then hide it. Yeah, it. like I said, I just don't think they were consistent with her in season two. But commentary in an interview I was listening with Daniel Knopf, he mentioned that all the writers were clamoring to write for Iris. Everybody loved writing for Iris, which I thought was cool. I do too. I think she's one of the, not just the part, but the actress like that can go toe-to-toe with Clancy Brown. That's a very short list. Yeah, Amy Madigan did great. I think one of you guys mentioned it before that it would be great to see them do more things together. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that was me that mentioned that in however many episodes ago that was. Clancy Brown is the bad guy in the Dexter reboot. That does not surprise me. Oh, I just played a video game called Detroit Become Human, and Clancy Brown did the voice and the mocap of a character that plays like a detective, and it looks just like him, and he is actually really awesome in that role, too. Nice. Did you guys have a favorite episode of season two? I think some of my favorites are Lincoln Highway. A lot of stuff goes down in that one. I also enjoy The Road to Damascus, and I also really like the finale. I don't remember which one was Lincoln Highway. Ben Heals Jones. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. What were your favorites? My favorite, solidly 100% hands down, is The Road to Damascus, a.k.a. The Truck Episode. If I ever rewatch this show again, I might just end at the truck episode and be like, Ben and Sophie lived happily ever after. The end. And then write some fan fiction. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they finally got together and they finally did smooches and I love that. But I just so loved how slow it moved through that. It took the full hour to have that connection happening and just inch closer and closer. I was thinking that Lincoln Highway scores high for me, but also Alamogordo, because we get to see working Sophie, and then Justin has some intense scenes, and then we have Ben, like, starting as Tana says, man of, man of action Ben <laughs> starts to emerge, and so there's just a lot happening in that episode. Yeah, that one's good, too. So looking at the seasons as a complete series as best we can, what would either of you say the general underlying theme of the show is? If you want to get laid, you need to get a truck. <laughs> oh, wait, you mean there's a deeper meaning? That'll work too. I think maybe what I take of it is that at the core of Carnival, it's good versus evil. But I think it also showed a lot that there is no quote unquote good and there is no quote unquote evil. Everybody is shades of both. Even Brother Justin, who turned out to be a bad avatar, really started out doing good and meaning to get, do good. And Scudder, who was also a bad avatar, really tried to do the right things, even though he was a bad avatar, an evil avatar, which made him such a terrible evil avatar. And all the characters were so complicated. Even Ben could be a shit sometimes. That's what I'm going to take out of it. We're all human, even not humans. 
Wow, that sums it up pretty well. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have an answer to that, Jen? No, I think that's definitely like a consistent theme. But I guess what I take from watching both seasons is it didn't maybe turn out in a consistent way, but I think it's about family, like the bonds of family, the family that we make and that kind of thing, especially like towards the end where, you know, everyone, Rita Sue comes up and is basically the speaker. We've all got your back. And at the end, when everybody is is scouring the cornfields looking for him and ready to embrace him into their world. And that wasn't where he started. And on the contrasting side, you have Justin, who was just like overnight until some supernatural intervention uh, came in. His sister is estranged and he killed his like pseudo father. And and I think at those times with like the good and evil in that how much things can grow and how much things can be destroyed. Mm, yeah, yeah. From that like introspective, uh, thoughtful m- bit of moments that we had, I'm going to go completely superficial and ask, who do you think was the best dressed? Worker B, Sophie. When she had the pants that were too big for her and the, the button-up shirt that she kind of had tucked in, stylish, super stylish. I really like that outfit that Sabina was wearing when she and Lila were doing laundry. It's a really cute dress and the gray hat. I really liked the outfit Samson picked up before he went to go see Jolene and he goes like, handsome devil. That was like head to toe, a good look. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Samson always looked pretty good. He had really great costumes. He's always looked so smart and polished. Celeste, she had a really good outfit at that kind of outdoor when they were outdoor after the sermon chatting it just looked so summery and breezy and innocent i really want to go into which dress i like the most from like rita sue and libby but i feel like i'd have a hard time describing them i can try if you want sure for rita sue i think she mostly wore it at the second half of season one it's a turquoise blue and it has white flowers on it and for Libby hers is the one she wore in the outside New Canaan and it has a nice white collar and it has uh, pink flowers on it it was super pretty the costume department did an amazing job making everyone look so good. A so period correct, but also just incredibly flattering. Absolutely showed off of Rita Sue's assets. And I might want to put in a couple points for Jonesy in the sweaty white tank top. That was a pretty good outfit. Showed his assets. He really made it work for him. I believe that they did win the Emmy for Best Costumes for Season 1. Which they should have. They were great. Researching again, I was reminded how, I know Season 1, the episodes were expensive, $3.74 million. But I was also reminded that it was, that year, the most expensive show on television. Because of having such a big cast, having to do so many period-correct outfits, period-correct props and also effects yeah and season one they also actually moved the carnival to like different places but in season two they smartened up and then just switched around some of the tents so it looked like it was in a new spot but it wasn't 
HBO also offered Daniel Knopf a two-hour movie to wrap it up, but he turned it down because there was just, he's there's like, no way I can do anything in two hours. I believe it. There's like still four more seasons left of story to cover. There's no way that could be cut down to a little two-hour film. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it became like a graphic novel. I know it can't be, but like something that they could really take their time with. And then just honor the original spirit of the series. Daniel Knopf wanted to do it in a graphic novel. That was one of his top mediums to try to tell the story in. But HBO wouldn't let go of the rights. Yeah. And I believe a few years ago, he had a whole like Twitter thread because people are like constantly asking him about, you know, renewing the show. And so he's like explaining why he can't. And he said if he ever got the rights back now that he would write a book. And I feel like that should have been like this story's original form. This should have just been a novel or a series of novels. And then they could have adapted it if they wanted. So I feel like this story is like way too big, even for the series. Yeah, this story, it was original concept as a movie. He started writing it as a screenplay of a movie, and then he was just, and then someone mentioned, like, have you ever writing for TV? And he was like, oh, that one story that I can't seem to wrangle into a movie? I'm going to write that as a TV show, and then started writing that on his own, and then submitted it. Yeah, if I were him, I probably would have already written the novel and left it on my computer. And then just leave it somewhere for someone to find. Like, Daniel Knopf, if you're listening to this... Why don't you write it out on your computer and then accidentally leave it there for someone to find some, you know, leave your computer somewhere and then HBO can't sue you for the rights. Someone leaked it. He could always leak it himself. He could pass it off as fan fiction, really. That's true. He could written by Kenny Davidson. Probably be Phineas Boffo. He likes to use that handle. We do know how the storyline ends, though. We did get that glimpse in the show. We did. I would have liked to see that played out, though. Me too. The the scene where the bomb goes off and Ben and Sophie are making out in front of it. It would have been nice to see how we got there, for sure. Jen, do you know the story outline of what it was supposed to be? Do you care? I do, but I don't know. Do you want to say what the future episodes were going to be, Tana? Do you want me to? Or the future seasons? You can go for it because you brought it up. (laughs) Or we could swap or whatever. doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. So season three and four were going to be a time jump of five years in the future. And it was going to be on the carnival side. The carnival had dispersed and everyone leading their life except for Ben and Samson. And then Ben was like, we need to get the gang back together to fight Justin. And it was them getting the gang back together and then on the Justin side of things Justin and Sophie are married and Iris is still there but I don't remember kind of anything that they were doing per se I think the ministry is growing and bigger I think they mentioned that Iris and Sophie were fighting over control of Justin uh yeah that's right because Justin is weaker because of the fight and he's not quite the powerful Justin we see now Oh, and uh, Sophie was supposed to have a baby, and it was supposed to be like a mystery whose child it is, but it's pretty obviously Ben's. 
That would have been really neat to see Sophie and Iris become the main strains of the church plotline. That would have been really fun to see them get more powerful. And it would have been cool to see Justin play a weaker version of himself, seeing him have to depend on others and all that. Because he's such a presence, like Clancy's such a presence. It would have been really interesting to see how he delivered that with kind of the, the weaker state. Yeah, they said wounds from the anointed weapons don't really heal properly. So he's still wounded and Ben is still wounded too. And they also describe Ben as being more like management, which kind of makes me sad because like at the end of season two, we realized he's not the same as management. He's better than management. So I'm just like, oh, I guess. I took that as more like management physically. He's also staying in the box because he is so destroyed from the fight. However, they're both described as by the end of season two as being adolescent avatars, but eventually they're going to grow and mature as adult avatars. So apparently they're supposed to be better and advanced powers going to be going on. I'm like, how is that a thing if they're both really wounded? But I would have liked to see it play out anyway. Do you want to describe the next two seasons, Tana? I don't remember those plot lines as well because uh, the Sophie plotline being married to Justin really stuck into my brain. Sure. So, yes. So three and four were like, going to be the next book and they took place in 1939 and 1940. And then the last two were going to be 44 and 45. I believe eventually they go to Europe to collect documents and talismans and stuff like that. And basically, Ben is trying to prevent the atom bomb from happening because he thinks it's going to be the end of the world. So there's going to be a whole bunch of scenes dealing with that. Eventually, they realize that it's not going to be the end of the world. It's just going to be the end of their world, like the world of like magic. So eventually, in the end, Ben and Sophie and their kid are just going to sacrifice themselves when the Trinity bomb test goes off. Where Justin is, I don't know, they haven't said, but that's basically the end. They imply that up until that point, humanity was in an adolescent stage, and then afterwards they enter the age of reason, so humanity grows up from there. Yeah, and if I may be misremembering this, that the only one, the only avatar who really knows that it's not going to be the end of humanity and who knows the full end game is the Omega. Yeah, like she's just going around making sure all the pieces are in place, basically. Yeah, because she, she knows that it's going to usher in, it into the whole new world. A whole new world. Yes, that's probably going to be a major conflict between her and Ben in, at the end game of the series because she wants this to happen, whereas he doesn't want this to happen. So they're probably going to have a huge power fight. And then make out. In a trap. Yes. Oh, yeah. I swear to God, I'm convinced my bad dating luck is only because I've never owned a truck. That's the secret that no one's told you. I'm sorry. Should have been passed down, lost in the mail. Wait, does that mean Justin dies at some earlier point before then? Because he's not in the final scene? Maybe. Yep. Celeste the maid breaks out of bedlam and vows revenge. 
If there's anyone that deserves revenge, it's Celeste. I'm all for it. Or zombie Norman. Norman and Celeste did not deserve that shit. Nope, but Tommy Dolan did. Kind of not. Well, I don't think he deserves to die because they probably would have hung him for that. Do either of you guys um, have any more questions or things you want to talk about? I know in an earlier episode, you were wondering about best and worst couples. Oh, yeah. I mean, doesn't worst have to go to Ruthie Ben? Yes. Yes, it can. And a strong, other strong contender is Justin and Sophie because you gross. Loads and Lila get an honorable mention from me. Yeah, I really liked the before. It's just too bad because that the first scene of Loads and Lila playing cards together in the trailer, they had such a nice little chemistry and relationship before I think their plot line kind of, Lila's plot line went to poo. Yeah. I'll also have to give some points to Jonesy and Libby, I know the last few episodes they ended up, it was really sweet and they ended up in a nice place, but I just think they just rushed it and there was such a quick flip of Jonesy to Libby and it just seemed forced at the start. And of course their age, she's just so young. Yeah, I don't like that it was like at the tail end of that many-sided love triangle, pentagon, whatever, which they spent way too much time focused on Blah. yeah they did i know we talked about our favorite episodes for this season did you guys have favorite episodes overall i think babylon is up there for me yeah babylon and pick a number those two go hand in hand do you think they were the best episodes period of the show it was just in my opinion a pair of episodes where they got it right and they focused on developing the characters but also moving the plot along and there just wasn't as much inconsistencies if you just want to take those two episodes together i completely agree i think when i look back on the show i think the episodes that stick out are the truck episode for me you know just because it moved so slow the Dorome duo babylon and pick a number that was just such smart writing and such good character development and just so harrowing and I think the pilot was probably one of the most perfect pilots that I've seen. I think those episodes, everything was on their A game. Yeah, the pilot was amazing. It was really good at introducing the characters to us, starting to show what the story's about, what the mysteries are. It's a really great introduction to the series. Yeah, and had such beautiful visuals. Yeah. This whole series had such great visuals. It was so beautiful. I think it's one of the most beautiful TV shows, period. And I wish I got more credit for that. It's just few and far in between where shows can make you feel like you're actually in that time period. But when we do, we notice Carnival sticks out like Downton Abbey, Stranger Things. When you have a good setting, it sticks in your brain a little bit longer. Yeah, and I think Carnival had just really creative shots and were able to play with the camera and just these sweeping shots. Sweeping shots of the Carnival when Brother Justin and Iris are looking down or the sweeping shots of the field when Jonesy and Sophie are playing catch or them all walking for Dorme's funeral. They really knew how to set up beauty in an interesting way. Yeah, 
they captured something, a beautiful point in time that really isn't necessarily seen for its beauty. No one thinks of the depression and goes, wow, what a wonderful place. But they, I don't know, made it warmer, made it more heartfelt. I also think the music that they chose throughout the series was probably one of the more consistent things that they did. And whether it was the music that the choir was singing or something on the radio or an instrumental score where they're having those beautiful shots. I really enjoyed the audio quality for both seasons very much. Oh my God. I love the music so much. I really love the original score. I really wish it was on vinyl because I would buy that now. (laughs) It did win an Emmy for its musical score. Outstanding musical composition for a series. Uh, So good. It was really good. Oh, I forgot to ask during our season one review, but I can ask it now. But I was just wondering what your guys' thoughts were on the main title sequence, which they also won an Emmy for. I liked it. I thought it set the tone quite a bit, especially seeing the archival footage and, of course, the music that went along with it. I, I do think it ran a little bit long. The intro took a little bit too much more time. Like, I think they indulged in that too much, but otherwise, I really liked it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit long. I, I tend to skip it most of the times. I do really appreciate how good it was. I like that they used, like, archival footage of what was happening during the time and placed it with pieces of, like, art and even with the tarot to give it more of a meeting and how that relates to the show. thought it was really good. Do you have someone who you think was the best performance in the show? I think it changes for me because initially I would have said Brother Justin Clancy had very strong performances with his monologues and just a very powerful figure, but dynamics changed that waned a little bit. And I also think Felix, I forget the actor's name, but he brought a lot to the table on, on a lot of different episodes. Toby Huss, yes. When he finally tells Rita Sue he's in debt, he did so good. I do think everyone is excellent, though I do really come to appreciate Ben's performance, like Nick Stahl. He's just really so good at being subtle and just the little gestures and just being reactive or when there's no dialogue, but just sitting there and watching him. He's really good. I probably did not explain that well, but whatever. (laughs) yeah everyone the casting director just an amazing job everyone just so good in different moments yeah I think I'm gonna have to do Amy Madigan Iris was just so great if I had to pick someone because there were so many moments you couldn't quite read what she was doing the whole cast was amazing it's just a really special show it truly is yeah Yeah, even like us doing a podcast about it, it has like transcendent being just a TV show. It's more like a piece of art. Oh, man, I'm getting sad. We spent almost every week together for nearly the last year, and it's been so much fun figuring out how to edit and synopsis and claps and which nobody will get that, but you guys do. (laughs) It's 10 out of 10 would do it again. This show was just private love of mine, and now it feels bigger. Yeah, completely. Talking through things as three strangers who came together about this show and learning how to do things. And God, I should listen to our first couple of episodes, but I'm too scared to. to. 
and having us grow week to week and sharing pictures of animals and everything like that. I was just going to say, it's been good and we've definitely shaken some dust. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, Jen, we made a thing that's going to be out there. Carnival, I think, will be one of those shows that people just randomly discover, you know, and they'll probably be the only ones in their friend group to discover. And now we have this thing they can find and commiserate with other people. And I think that's great. Me too. Me too. This feels like a fairly good stopping point. Does anyone have any last things that have come up that they want to say or questions or? No, I'm just in the feels. No, this seems like a good stopping point. Okay. Thank you guys for, thanks Jennifer, bringing us together. And thanks Tina for pulling all the facts and scripts and educating us about life in Canada. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess also thank you listeners for going on this ride with us and hope you guys keep the magic. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. And I'm Tana. You can still keep in touch with us if you'd like. Um, Our email address is recarniespodcast at gmail.com. And we would still appreciate if you would rate, review, and describe at your podcast service of choice. And I guess that's a wrap for us. Bye, friends. Bye, Bye, everyone.